0: Oh, man, this series has been incredible, hasn't it? Like I have really had a lot of fun with this, and the things that we've been able to do have just been mind blowing to me, you guys. Like last week, we gave away more than forty thousand dollars to individuals and organizations in our city. How great was that? You heard about the Christmas shop where we got to bless like a hundred kids and made sure that they had Christmas gifts. I can't even tell you what a special thing it was to have those parents and children here last week. Oh man, it was last weekend. It was just awesome. And then you know. There's something that I think is worth celebrating that we haven't even really talked about a whole lot, and that is over the last five weeks, we've seen so many of you really express the needs and the desires that you have in your life. And hey, let's be honest, it's not always easy to talk about the things that you need. So some of you have written your crazy faith requests down on the wall, or you've shared them with somebody else. And we have even seen God meet several of those needs just in the time that we've been doing this series. I mean, it just reminds me of what we talked about, our theme verse from week number one, Ephesians chapter number three, verse 20. The scripture says, God is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or even imagine. Hello. But I also know this series has been frustrating for some of you. Some of you have not enjoyed this series quite as much as other people. And that's because there are people in the room and you've been praying, for example, for healing for a decade or more, and you are still not healed. Here we are wrapping up the crazy faith series, and you're still battling the same battle that you always have been. Some of you wrote out there on the crazy faith wall, we have like eight people that wrote, you know, man, I really need a new vehicle. That's the thing. If God could provide me a vehicle, it doesn't even have to be fancy, but that's what I need right now. And ain't nobody handed you a set of keys yet. You're like, I really thought when I wrote it on the wall, somebody was at some point just gonna come slip something in my pocket and I was gonna pull out a set of keys, you know? Some of you, your situations have gotten worse in the time frame in which other people have had their situation solved. So I realize there's a little bit of frustration, not just in those of you that haven't had your crazy faith requests answered yet, but honestly, in all of our hearts, we all wrestle with this and struggle with this because we all know what it's like to have God apparently say no to the things that we want. Why doesn't God just grant every prayer request? Wouldn't that be easier? He just, you know, if I prayed it and he just said, yes, I don't know. I feel like that would be easier <laughs> Uh, you know, how, how do I know when I should keep praying and believing for a yes, or when it's obvious that God has said, no, I just need to accept it and move on? How do I know? When am I, I don't know, where's that line? I'm, I'm not always certain. How do I teach myself to be hopeful when I'm still feeling fearful? How do I keep my joy and faith in God when I feel like he's let me down? I know many of you are wrestling with these questions because I've had these conversations after the services over the last few weeks. And hey, listen, let me tell you, I wrestle with these exact same tensions as well. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that God says yes to me all the time. In fact, sometimes I think he says yes less to me than he does everybody else so that I know what y'all are going through, okay? We all have this sense of frustration, disappointment, tension. When we have this deep desire and we're praying and we're giving it to God and then it seems like he's saying no. How do we make sense of that? How do we balance that tension? Well, that's what I want to talk about in our final message. And here's the great news. There's actually somebody from the scripture to uh, who made their crazy faith request known to God. They brought their requests to God and God said no. And what's really wild is the person that we're going to be talking about is probably the last person on earth that you would have expected God to say no to. But his example actually becomes an example for all of us to follow when we're at that moment in which God seems to have said no to the things that we want most in life. So Mark chapter number 14 is gonna be our passage this morning. We'll have it there on the screen or you can follow along in a copy of your own Bible. Mark chapter number 14, we're gonna start reading in verse 32. Listen to what the scripture says here. They, meaning Jesus and some of his disciples, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. This is the final night of Jesus' life. They had just finished having the Lord's Supper, the last supper together. And so they leave the upper room and they head across the valley into a garden called Gethsemane. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And the Bible says Jesus became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief. To the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he went on a little further and he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Father, you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything I might ask or think. So please, Take this cup of suffering away from me. Jesus prayed, God, take this cup of suffering away from me, but I want your will to be done and not mine. I told you the person that God is going to say no to in this passage is the least likely person that we would ever expect. God said no to the crazy faith prayer of Jesus himself. On this last night of his life, he's experiencing unimaginable like pressure and tension. He's experiencing anguish because he knows what's coming. He's about to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. Anybody ever been betrayed by somebody you trust? Whew, that, is a, that is a hard thing to deal with, and that's exactly what Jesus had to deal with on this final night. He was going to be arrested. He would be beaten. He would be placed on trial and convicted of a crime that he didn't commit. He would be mocked, and he would be hung on a cross to die, all within the next few hours. I mean, even just the idea of hanging on a cross, you guys realize this is like the worst way to die that mankind has ever invented. It really is. It's like so excruciating. In fact, that word excruciating that we have in English, it is a Latin word that literally means ex, out, cruce, out of the cross. Excruciating means out of the cross. Check out what this means, okay? The, the experience of being hung on a cross was so awful, we didn't even have a word in the language to describe what it was like. So they had to invent a word for it, a word that we still use today. So Jesus had all of these things that were weighing on him. He knew they were coming. But can I tell you, the greatest agony, the most difficult thing he was about to go through, it wasn't the physical pain. It wasn't the emotional betrayal or any of that. The hardest thing for him was he knew that when he was hung on the cross, he was going to bear the weight of the sins of the world. And in that moment, his father would forsake him. That separation from God, that became the hardest thing for Jesus to deal with. So Jesus prays, he makes his crazy faith request, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's asking if there's any other way for the salvation of the world to be accomplished, could we make that happen? Like I know this is the plan, it's always been the plan, But in the moment, in his humanity, knowing everything that was about to happen, Jesus said, is there another cup? Is there a way I could pass this one and and drink from another? Now, listen, we've got to realize, okay, Jesus did not have crazy faith. We've been talking about having crazy faith. And yes, I have full confidence in God. Jesus did not have crazy faith. Jesus had perfect faith, you guys. There was nothing wrong with his faith, nothing lacking whatsoever. Jesus had perfect faith in his heavenly father. And even though he had perfect faith, the father still said no to the son. Look, there's so many things that I want to pull out from this passage, so many principles. We're going to kind of tease these out throughout the rest of the message. But let me start with just reminding you, I know you probably know this, but it's just good to speak it out every once in a while. God isn't simply going to say yes to your prayers just because you want something really bad. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times I think we get to where we're praying and we're in anguish over this. And we're like, God, do you not see how desperate I am? How badly I want a spouse, how badly I want to be healed, how badly I want a family, how badly I need a promotion, how badly you've got to come and rescue me. Ah! And we think if we just pray louder or harder or more, we can somehow communicate our desperation to God. But hey, nobody was more desperate in their prayers than Jesus was. The scripture says that Jesus is in such anguish and desperation that he begins to sweat drops of blood. Now, I have sweated some stuff in life, you guys, but I've never sweat drops of blood in prayer. Jesus wanted his crazy faith request far more than I've ever wanted anything, and you do, you have as well. Let me tell you, it didn't matter. God still said no to his crazy faith request. So God's not going to simply say yes just because you want something really, really bad. That's not the trigger, okay? That's not the thing that's going to guarantee it. And it's also not a matter of how close you are to the Father, at least not only a matter of how close you are to the Father. Jesus was one with the Father. You realize that. He was as unified with the Father as anybody has ever been, more unified than anybody will ever be. And despite that, God still said no to his request. Jesus had everything going for him right. He had every reason to believe that God would say yes to his crazy faith. He had every justification to say, God, look, what I'm about to go through, I don't deserve. And what they're about to get because of what I go through, they don't deserve. So surely there's another way. Surely you're going to say yes to this perfect faith request. But God said no. And hear me now. I say this lovingly, but we need to know it. If God said yes to Jesus, you can believe that he's going to say, if God said no to Jesus, he's going to say no to you and I sometimes as well. He is not going to give you everything you ask for. It doesn't matter how badly you want it. It doesn't matter how strongly you believe in it. It doesn't matter if you're like, I've been coming to church for six weeks. Surely God knows I'm serious this time. It doesn't matter. God has reasons and motivations for saying yes or no to our prayer requests. And one of the things you've got to keep in mind is that there will be times in which God says no to your prayers. Just set those levels, okay, before you even start. You need to know that God says no to our prayers. But of course, Jesus didn't only pray, God, if there's another way, if, there's, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He ended his prayer by saying, nevertheless, yet I want your will to be done, God, and not mine. I want what you want, even more than what I want. And boy, I want what I want really bad in this moment. I want you to notice the pattern here in Jesus' prayer. He says, here's what I want, God but I trust what you want even more. Here's what I want. It's okay to pray. It is okay to ask God for what you want and to also say, but I trust you even more. I want your will even more than my way. See, Jesus' prayer here in the garden, it illustrates that crazy faith is bold enough to anticipate a yes and humble enough to accept a no. Crazy faith is bold enough to anticipate a yes and humble enough to accept a no. Jesus made his request boldly known to God, right? And if you give his prayer any sort of thought at all, you guys, it should make you deeply uncomfortable. The prayer that Jesus prays in the garden should make you uneasy. He is saying, you know, although this has been the plan all along and I knew that I was going to die on the cross, if there's another way, could we do it that way instead? Why, Why would Jesus say that? That's not what I expect. Why is he praying about his will versus the Father's will? I thought they were completely united in purpose, and I believe that they are, but what does that mean? His prayers make me uncomfortable. But Jesus was not afraid to pray prayers that made other people uncomfortable. And you shouldn't be afraid to pray prayers that will make other people uncomfortable either. Listen, you may hear from the doctor, your situation is terminal. This diagnosis is hopeless. There is no chance. You need to just prepare yourself. You got five months left, buddy. Go do your best to deal with that. Okay, you might just accept it and... Acquiesce and resign yourself to it. But in crazy faith, can I challenge you in that sort of situation and say, No, I serve a miracle working God. And until I do not have breath in my lungs, I am going to continue to pray as if God is going to show up, as if He can do something miraculous in my situation. Your family tells you that your dreams are unrealistic, but you say, Listen, by crazy faith, I know that what seems like a mountain to me is just a mustard seed to my God. I am not going to give up my confidence. My expectation that my good father in heaven will say yes to things that I never thought possible if I'm praying in accordance with his will. My friends, every day you wake up is another day for God to show up, okay? This is why Hebrews chapter number four, verse 16, invites us to come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And this is why in Luke chapter number 18, verse one, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. So, crazy faith is bold enough to keep anticipating a yes. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep believing. Like personally, you guys, if I know or I have reason to believe that my particular prayer is not contrary to anything that's revealed in scripture, then I'm just going to assume God's going to give me a yes until it becomes really clear that he's given me a no. Because he's a good father and there's nothing wrong with asking. And again, God has this tendency to bring about and to provide things that we would have never thought possible if we would just ask. What does James say? You have not because you ask not. I had to learn this personally, myself, you know, in the last few years. i told you guys that Amber and I have, you know, we're, we've dealt with the whole infertility thing for a long time, about 11-ish years ago. We were um, thinking, you know, we're well-established now, and we've been married for quite a while, and so it's probably time to start a family. You ready? And, you know, I was like, yeah, let's do this thing, you know. So we pulled the goalie. We got to work. And then two years later, two years later, we're sitting in the, in the doctor's office, and the doctor looks us in the, in the face and says, hey, listen, I wish I had better news for you but you're never gonna have kids. I cannot imagine a scenario in which you guys get pregnant naturally. We had gone through every invasive test and procedure you could possibly imagine. It still didn't work out. And you're in this moment. If you've ever been there, you've ever had one of your deepest desires go unmet. You know how this feels. You're in this season in which you're like, what do I do? What's my identity? Can I even go on like living? Honestly, those thoughts are there and they're present in your mind. And after we prayed about it for a long time, eventually I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, hey, Dan, if I never gave you the thing that you want most in life, could you still be joyous and satisfied in me? If I never gave you the thing you wanted most, could you still live a fulfilling life? I did not like that question, you guys. All right, let me tell you, I wrestled with that for a long time. But eventually I got to the point where I'm like, well, I guess, I mean, yes, because what's the alternative? To be bitter and miserable for the next 30 or 40 years? No, I'm not interested in that. So yes, God, I can learn to be joyous and fulfilled in you if you choose to never give me what I want most. So then I entered a new chapter in which I just kind of said, yeah, well, God said, no, I'm not going to have kids. That is what it is, right? But I've got to tell you guys, as I've been reading all of these passages for the Crazy Faith series about prayer and confidence in God, as I've been preaching all of these messages, my attitude has really changed. Because what I've come to realize is when God said, Dan, if I didn't give you the thing you want most in life, could you be happy and satisfied? He wasn't saying, Dan, I'm not giving you what you want, so learn to be happy and satisfied. He just asked a question, and it was a helpful question. I needed to be able to say, yeah, I could be, but God was not saying no. So in crazy faith, in anticipation of a yes, I'm going to keep pushing forward till the point that it becomes incredibly obvious that God has said no to my dream of having a child. You're like, well, so probably when you're like 60, right? Nah, bro, go look at Sarah and Abraham, all right? It was late for them. I'm going to be in the nursing home and still praying this prayer. God can do it. God can do it. Okay. So listen, we're going to, man, I want to wrap this message up by helping you to deal with, with the fact that God says no to your prayers sometimes. But I don't want us to go so far in this direction that we just resign ourselves to the idea that God has already said no to our prayers. For so many of you, he has not said no to your prayers. He's saying, keep praying, keep moving forward, keep the faith. One day I'm going to answer it for you. So don't give up, continue to believe and anticipate a yes. But when it does become apparent that God has said no, like you're praying for a family member to fully recover and then they pass away, like it's pretty obvious God has said no to that prayer. When that happens, we wanna be mature and humble enough to accept a no from God. Now listen, I realize that is really easy to say and super hard to actually do. I totally get that. When God says no to your prayers, it hurts when God says no to your prayers and yes to somebody else's prayers, that can make you even doubt the goodness of God altogether. So I know what that's like, and I know that's where many of you are. So what I want to do in our remaining time together this morning is I want to point you towards one word that Jesus said in his prayer. Four little letters that have the power to reframe this situation you find yourself in. Your perspective on whether God has said yes or no and what that might mean for your future. When Jesus began his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he started it by saying, Abba, Father. Now, for some of you guys, the only Abba you know about is the one who sang Dancing Queen, okay? This is not who he's talking about here. Abba was an ancient word that was a very intimate term that a child would use of their father. The closest modern English translation would be dad or daddy. Jesus started by calling God dad, father. And I got to tell you, that is really key. This is the thing that is going to help some of you to get through the no or to push through to the yes, the fact that God is our Father. And the reason is because it frames our prayers and the answers to our prayers, it frames them in a relational way and not a transactional way. I'm afraid that most of us just want a transactional relationship with God. I want to know the right things to say so that God gives me what I want. Hello, okay? That's the way most of us view prayer. But God is not interested in a transactional relationship with us. He is interested in a relationship with us. See, God is our Father Not a vending machine. A vending machine is real easy to understand and to manipulate, you guys. All you have to do is walk up, put in a few coins, punch C3, and boom, you get a bag of Doritos. You know how it works. You know exactly what it takes to get what you want. And many of us want that kind of relationship with God. But you won't have it because that's transactional. Listen, a vending machine can be transactional with you because a vending machine does not care about you. If you go up to a vending machine and you put in a bunch of money and you punch in some, some uh, numbers, the vending machine is never going to look at you and say, you are a diabetic. You should not be eating this candy bar. You know better. I care too much about you and your future health. So no, here's your money. Go somewhere else. I'm rejecting your request. Vending machine is never going to do that because a vending machine doesn't have a relationship with you. It does not care. But a father operates differently. A father will look their daughter in the eye and say, sweetie, you cannot have six candy bars for dinner. That is not healthy. It is not good for you. I care about you too much to give you what you're asking for here in the moment. A father chooses what is best for his children in the long run, even if it means sometimes disappointing them in the short term. In fact, I want you to imagine an earthly dad who gives his kids whatever they want. Some of you are like, actually, I know a guy like that. Uh, imagine that the kid pitches a fit in the grocery store so dad's like here just buy him a toy so they'll be quiet kids don't want to go to bed and so dad's like let them stay up run around they'll crash somewhere in the house and eventually they'll go to sleep right he doesn't require them to do their homework clean their room even say please and thank you what kind of dad is that not a great one what kind of child is going to be produced in that environment Not one you want coming over to your house. You with me? Like that is not a healthy relationship between a father and a child. Now listen, the irony, you guys, is that we celebrate good dads here on earth and then we resent our heavenly father because he doesn't obey our every whim. We know what makes for a good father here on earth and we actually celebrate that. And then we resent God when he acts like a good father to us. Jesus actually told a parable about this. There was one time he was talking to some people and he said, hey, which of you, if your son asks you for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone instead? You wouldn't do that, right? Because the kid can't eat a rock. So he's like, if you know what, it, uh, what a good gift looks like here on earth and you're imperfect and you're sinful, how much more do you think your father in heaven knows what good gifts you might need when you ask him for it? So listen, my friends, if you are like Jesus and you find that God seems to be saying no to your crazy faith prayer request, can you trust that God, your Father in heaven, he has good reasons and motivations for saying no right now? He does. You can trust that, and you can believe it. You may not know what they are, but they do exist, and one day your situation will make sense. We actually see this play out in Jesus' life. If we jump ahead here into Hebrews chapter number 5, verse 8, there's a verse that says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. This is a direct callback to the Garden of Gethsemane moment that we just read. I mean, he may have prayed other times like this, but clearly this is the connection that we're supposed to be making. And it says that he offered these prayers as a loud cry with tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Again, if you're paying attention... This doesn't make sense because it doesn't seem like God heard his prayers, does it? Jesus prayed, if there's another way besides the cross, if this cup could pass from me, then I, I that's kind of what I'm hoping will happen here. But God said no. Jesus was nailed to a cross. He took on all of my sin and shame and your sin and shame and all the sin and shame of the world that's ever existed. God said no. And yet the author of Hebrews says in some very real way, God said Yes to his prayer. How can that be? What we have to remember, you guys, is that just because God says no to us today doesn't mean that God is saying no to us forever. That God will sometimes say no to you today, and sometimes he'll say yes to you tomorrow, but sometimes it might be a long way into the future before he says yes. You can trust that one day, every prayer you offer in faith and in accordance with God's character and will, he will say yes to. All right, got some blank faces still, so you don't understand the magnitude of what I just said. Every single prayer that you pray that is offered in faith and in accordance with God's will, one day God is going to say yes to that prayer. Let me show you. If we jump ahead to Revelation chapter number 21, verses one through five, look at this. The apostle John is sharing a vision of what he saw, the end times, the, the, the eternity that is to come. And I'm going to read a little bit and then we'll pick up the passage here on the screen. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I'm telling you is trustworthy and true. One of my great joys as a pastor is when I'm at the bedside in a hospital and there is somebody that has a real physical need and they're praying for healing and it seems like God is saying no. It is one of my great privileges to tell them God has said yes to your healing. Now, I don't know if he's going to heal you in this life, but he promises in heaven everyone is healed. Hey, that diagnosis you've been carrying around your entire life, there will be a life to come without it, my friends. That's the promise you have. You carry around a a, a gap, a piece of you that's missing because you can't have children or you don't have a spouse. In heaven, everybody who's there experiences true love and is a part of real family. There is nobody in heaven that lives in poverty. There is nobody in eternity that experiences injustice, because of where they live or their skin color or the country they were born into. In heaven, God says yes to every prayer that's been offered in faith in accordance to his will. So why would we get so hung up over a no today, just a tiny little no today, when God has already promised us an infinite yes in the life to come. Every desire you have that is in accordance with his will, he is going to fulfill. What does that mean for me? Who wants a baby in heaven. I really don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I made a joke that somebody said was inappropriate in the first service, so I'm not going to make it here. But let me tell you, I don't know how God is going to satisfy that desire to be a parent, either in this life or the next. But I trust my father. And I know that no matter what, he has my best interests at heart. And so I want to not only Anticipate the yes, but if I get a no, I'm going to accept it because our father is so good. Eventually, it's going to turn into a yes anyway. Hello. We might summarize it like this. Crazy faith is a surrendered faith. Crazy faith is a surrendered faith. So I'm going to keep asking, I'm going to keep anticipating a yes. And then if God gives me a no, and it's abundantly clear, the answer is no, then I want to be mature enough to accept that. And to trust that God's no today is gonna to lead to a better yes tomorrow. So I'm gonna leave you with three questions, three quick things. These are not fun questions, okay? I'm just gonna tell you that up front. Is your faith surrendered or is it stubborn? Is your faith surrendered? Or is it stubborn? Nevertheless, not what I want, God, what you want. Or are our prayers more like, nevertheless, God, not what you want, what I want, please. Is your faith surrendered or is it stubborn? Does your faith defer or does it demand? Does it refer to God's, defer to God's will or does it demand your way? A lot of times our prayers are just us demanding our way. When we don't get our way, will we trust our father? or Are we gonna throw a tantrum like children? God has extended this invitation to live in relationship with him, to recognize that we can always bring our request to him. Sometimes he will say no. But God will never say no to you because he's a jerk. He will never say no to you capriciously. He will never say no to you arbitrarily. He's never going to do that. And the promise that we have if we're uh, we're his in Jesus is that one day all of those prayers are gonna be answered as a yes in some way, shape, or form anyhow. How good is it to be a Christian, you guys? I cannot imagine another way of living based on these promises that we have from the Father. Thank you, Lord, for this word. It's not an easy thing for us to hear. Nobody likes to be told no. So I pray, God, that you would develop in me a character that is willing to trust you and to be humble and accept whatever it is that you have for me. God, help me to constantly have faith that you can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything I might ask or think. But Father, more importantly than what I want in life, may your will be done, both in our church, in our families, everywhere, God. We ask all this in your name. Amen. (laughs)